I'm Ben Amos. Join me as we dive deep into how some of the best in business, marketing, content creation, and education wield powerful and effective stories to engage audiences and drive action. Welcome to Engage With Story. Angus and Lucy didn't have very much. They didn't have a television. They didn't have a car. They didn't even have a house. But Angus and Lucy had books, hundreds of them. They were stacked here and piled there, balanced, propped and shoved in all kinds of odd places. Books cluttered every corner of their home until one day their home could take no more. And so begins one of the favourite picture books in our family, The Children Who Loved Books by Peter Canavis. You know, there really is something quite magical about the capacity for a good picture book to transport a reader through story. Adult or child, I reckon there's something powerful in that shared experience of engaging with stories told simply and subtly with well-crafted words and pictures. You only have to peek into my family life at home each night with our two daughters, they're three and five, to see the ritual of story time played out on our couch before they go to bed. Whether each page brings the delight of the new or familiarity of well-read favourites, it's easy to recognise the art practised by great children's authors. Now, although Engage With Story often takes a more business or marketing focus when exploring storytelling, I'm excited to bring today's interview to you as I interview one of Australia's best children's authors and illustrators, Peter Canavis. Now, Peter has been writing and illustrating books since his first picture book, Jessica's Box, came out in 2008. And prior to that, he was a primary school teacher in regional Queensland. About 18 or so picture books and two novels later, Peter is now a highly accomplished and awarded author and illustrator with his home on the Sunshine Coast hinterland just around the corner from me and around the corner from a beautiful rainforest and waterfall where he lives with his wife, his two daughters, a dog called Florence and a cat named Harry Potter. In today's interview with Pete, we explore the power of story to engage both young and old, where he finds his inspiration for his work. We talk about how beauty and sadness play a role in telling engaging stories and the importance of not dumbing down a story, even when your audience is preschool aged. There really is heaps that you'll get out of this chat, no matter how you use story in your life or business. So let's get on to the interview with Peter Canavis. So Peter Canavis, welcome to Engage With Story. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So as I said in your introduction there, you've been a children author, children's author and now moving into children's novels as well for I think about 10 years. And, you know, I know we've got a, a three and a five-year-old daughter and I know in our family, we love your books. So, you know, first of all, thank you very much for, for the work that you do. It certainly brought um, some, some fun reading times into our family. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. But look, we're going to dive into the craft of storytelling today because the reason why I wanted to get you on the show uh, was really to explore with a story artist, really that craft of storytelling and how you apply that to children's storytelling. 
But before we do that, you know, for people that haven't read your books or haven't heard about you, can you maybe fill us a little in a little bit on your story and what got you to where you are today with the, your passion for children's storytelling? Yeah, I um, it was something I wanted to do when I was young. I didn't quite remember this, but I found a a book from when I was a kid. It was from when I was 12 years old and I found it at my parents' place um, just last year. And inside this book I had written, it was a book for school, an English book or something. And I'd written that um, when I want to grow up, when I grow up, I want to be an author and illustrator of children's books. And I, I didn't know I wanted to do it that young, but I was always drawing pictures and always writing stories. Um, and then I got into music more than anything. I was writing songs for a long time, just as a hobby. Um, after school, I studied media studies and I became a primary school teacher. And um, it was my time as a primary school teacher that that's when I fell in love with picture books. And I I really started to realize that these books were quite powerful things and um, were as legitimate an art form as, as any storytelling, movies, novels, um, anything. Did you, um, did you start writing your first... Uh, your first children's book while you were still teaching is that right yeah yeah I was um I was teaching in country Queensland and I had a year two class and that's when I made my first book so I'd, I'd teach during the day go home do a bit of planning and then I'd stay up all night um working on the illustrations for my first book and um and that that was the pattern just for a couple of years and then I eventually um started to teach a bit less and, and write a bit more. And it was a, a few years in between um, that sort of transition period of switching from one to the other. And why, you know, you've mentioned that you kind of from a very young age apparently, you know, wanted to be a children's author and illustrator. But, you know, what is it about the, I guess, the act of telling stories to children that that you seem to love? You know, what is it? Is there something inside you that kind of, fires up or how does it work for yeah, you? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I just love children's books so much. I think um, I think also my style, my, my kind of ideas tend to lend themselves to that genre for some reason and my style as well. I guess, I guess always drawing pictures, it kind of matches, it falls into the, the idea of a picture book. But um, the thing I love about children's books is that they're not just children's books that they're open to everybody. And, um, my favorite children's books do just that. They're, they're stories that speak to any age and they're the sorts of stories I try to write myself. So, um, I kind of feel like there are a lot of other, um, books targeted at different audiences that aren't as universal. I just feel like children's books are so universal and you can read them when you're 85 years old or when you're five years old and it still means something to you. Yeah, and I'm sure that any parents who are listening would have had those experiences where their children have a book that you just hate to read, you know, as horrible <laughs> as that sounds, you know, um, a book or some books that you you really just, you know, want to discourage them from pulling out <laughs> at story time. And, but, you know, inevitably the, the kids for some reason kind of love them. And, um, but, you know, I think there's something in that, the idea of, of writing for for the adult reader as well, particularly a, a lot of your books are, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but are written for the, the 
you know, preschool age reader or this early primary age reader. So where in many cases it's a shared reading experience where it's being read to them or they're, you know, uh, starting to read it somewhat themselves, I guess. But, you know, what importance do you place on or, you know, maybe we can dive into that a bit further around how much you write for the adult reader versus the child. Yeah, it's funny. It's, I mean, I guess I call myself a children's author, but I don't think of children much when I'm working. It's um, it's just a personal passion that I want to pursue for myself in a way. It's um, I, I write the story that I, I want to write for myself and the sort of story I think I'd like to read, and it happens to come out as a, as a children's book. But they, they start off as ideas not for children. They start off as ideas that um, move me in some way, whether it's from, from a, another book I've read or just something I've noticed or observed or something that's happened to me. Um, so they don't start off as ideas for children. They start off as something that just makes me stare at the window for a long time and think about it. And then I, I sort of channel that into the, um, the, the format of a children's book. Writing for, um, because I've mainly done picture books and writing for that young audience, the sort of early primary school audience. And as you said, it's a shared experience. And I feel like that, um, gives me a little bit more freedom because I'm not writing a book that children pick up as they're learning to read. It's something that's often read to them or read with them. So I don't really need to worry about um, the level of language and vocabulary that kids that age are reading themselves. I can I can use some, some bigger words if I feel like the story needs it um, because, you know, the story is often being read to the, the children um, but it's true that you you do have to have um, you have to have a bit of a um, you have to have the, the adults in mind when you're making it as well from a marketing perspective. Um, and I don't think about this too much, but other people tell me that's that's what I need to do. Is that grandparents will probably buy children's books more than anybody. Mm. Um, so a lot of authors will, you know, their eyes light up if they see grandparents rocking up to an event or something like that because they always buy a book. Um, so it's, you know, the adults ex- experience these stories as much as the kids do. So, that, that, and that's what I was talking about before, having those layers of meaning and a, a universally appealing story. Um, it, it's important to, to have a successful book in, in this genre, I guess. Yeah, and that's really obvious in in the books, the picture books that we've got in our bookshelf at home, the ones that I'm familiar with of your work, that your both your illustrations, because you, you're the illustrator and the and the writer of, of, I think, many of your books or all of your books, is that right? Um, I've written and illustrated half of them, so yeah. all by myself. And then the other half are collaborations where I'm usually the illustrator. Okay, um, yeah. A chunk of them I've, I've done by myself, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, both through the illustrations and and the words that you've written on the page, uh, there's a lot There's a lot of layers of subtlety. And you, I think in a lot of your books, you're, there's an underlying deeper meaning there uh, that I think appeals, you know, on a more subconscious level to, to the child, but also, you know, on a more conscious level in many cases to the parent reader or to the grandparent reader. And... You know, I guess my question here is, what do you decide to to leave out of the story? I think as a children's author, potentially, it would be very easy to 
you know, take a very surface level approach to your story to basically tell the kids everything that you want them to think. Um, but how do you decide what to not say, to leave unsaid and to allow for interpretation? That's, that's the art of it. That's the, um, that's the thing that excites me most is, is the, the things you leave out, the absences, the, where you leave room for the reader to interpret things themselves. And um, I, I, guess, I guess I developed that um, skill a little bit because picture books, are, they're such a visual storytelling medium. So one of the first things I learned was that the pictures need to tell at least half the story. So if you think in that terms, then you, you have to start chopping your words back. And um, my books have very few words in them usually. Um, some of my books have, you know, 170 words in the whole story. Um, and that's, that's really just that process of shaving those words back, shaving the sentences back and, until they say just exactly what you need to say and absolutely nothing more. And then you've got the illustrations that can um, carry the story as well. But there's something, I don't know, <laughs> this might sound a little bit pretentious, but there's something magic about um, the words and pictures coming together. They create something bigger than the, the two elements themselves. There's, there's this beautiful space in between the, the words and pictures when they they do work together and it, it creates something else. And it's it's almost hard to explain sometimes, but you can feel it. You can feel it when you read the story and, um, yeah, that's what really excites me when I make these books. And I guess if I'm, if I have any, um, talent, I think it's, I think it's, um, telling, telling, um, big stories very simply. And I think that's what I try to do. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, really obvious in the books. Look, anyone who's listening who hasn't hasn't seen any of Peter's books, uh, you know, I'd strongly encourage you after watch, uh, after listening to this, to uh, to go and go and have a look. Um, even just have a look at at his website to see an idea of what we're talking about here. But um, a few more questions for you yet, though. Not wrapping up. Um, what I'd love <laughs> to explore a little bit more with you is around the idea of of the power of story, both in the, in a way of engaging young people in, in thoughts and feelings, um, but also the power of store, story to perhaps, you know, affect some kind of social change or new way of thinking about things. Because like I've mentioned, a lot of your stories do deal with bigger issues. It's not simply a, you know, cat getting stuck in a, in a muddy hole and having to get out or something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but the, the, there's your next story idea, right? No. Um, but you know, your, your books do, uh, dive into, to issues, uh, to, to thoughts and, and, um, emotions that, you know, people deal with in life. And, you know, I'd love to see what power do you think story has in helping people to understand the world around them? Yeah, I think I think the reason stories are so powerful is um, because of the connection, the connection between a reader and an author, the connections between people that don't know each other other than through the story. Um, when I was about nineteen, I I came across Kurt Vonnegut's books for the first time, and he became my favourite writer pretty quickly. Um, not just for his stories, but for what he had to say about writing. And 
he said the reason that he writes is because there are lots of people out there that that need to know that there's someone else that thinks like them, that they're not alone in, in their views on the world. And I just love that idea that you can meet a like-minded person that you don't know through a story. And I think that's so powerful for um, for anybody, but especially for anybody who feels like they don't have a voice, if they feel like they don't have a voice, if they feel like they're isolated um, and nobody understands them. And if they come across a story or an author that, they really connect with, and it just means so much to that to that person that there's someone else out there that thinks like them. Um, so yeah, I, I think stories are powerful because of those connections that we have with each other. In terms of um, social change via story, I haven't really thought too much about that. I guess there are those sorts of messages in some of my stories, um, you know, encouraging people to to do one small thing that might make a big difference. Um, but I think I'm attracted to the story more than anything, more than inspiring change or even stories of mine that deal with deeper issues. Um, I'm not writing them and I don't think many authors write those kind of stories as therapy for anybody. Um, it's really the story that appeals to me and, and those deeper issues, um, just sort of come through with the story. Yeah, and there's an idea in in authorship and storytelling and writing around write from what you know. But um, and you've mentioned that you know you take inspiration from things happening around you and things you observe and things you think about. But uh, are you are you crafting your stories or, or coming up with your ideas from uh, based on real people around you, or are the characters in your stories based on real people, or are they you know completely? imagined and, and you know where is that inspiration coming from yeah but i guess if anything they're all me um and there's the first little novel that i just wrote um the elephant there's i feel like all of the characters are me in some way yeah um, and i i don't know why i mean there are these sort of those the depth and there's elements of sadness in the stories, even though I never think they're sad stories at all. Um, and I, yeah, they're not real life characters of people around me. I try not to base anything on my kids or anything like that. Um, I think I'm probably a little bit more self-obsessed. So they're all just little versions of me, quiet little people that, you know, by themselves a bit and try to solve their problems by themselves. Um, I, I try to draw on there's a the idea of beauty and sadness really excites me as a storyteller. So um, I, I love moments in stories that are sad but beautiful, and and the, this, my favourite moments in films as well. And I think I draw on that idea a lot, and especially the, the the songs I listen to and the type of music I listen to when I'm writing or when I'm illustrating. Um, I, I love that that um, idea of beautiful sadness in a story and usually that's sort of, you know, two-thirds of the way through the story when that moment happens before we, we lift, <laughs> lift everybody out at yeah, the yeah. end. You know, you, um, you do quite a lot of, particularly in your local area, visits to schools and, and spend time, you know, sharing storytelling and, and illustrating with groups of children. What influence do you think that has on your on your writing or, or what value does that bring to you as an author? 
Yeah, it's a very different thing. It's they're almost opposite um, skills because writing a story is spending months by yourself, not talking to anybody except the people in your head, and then presenting to a hundred kids is you couldn't get um, further away from that. So um, it, it keeps you it keeps you grounded. Yeah. Kids are beautiful because they're so honest. You can't fool them. If they don't like something, you can tell within two seconds by their body language. Or they're not trying to be polite. They're just who they are. So, um, yeah, when I present, it's it's very different. And I I don't ever go into a a presentation like that trying to milk ideas out of them. But it, it's it's good to see what they do respond to. And um, I like to challenge the kids in the same way I like to challenge them with my stories a little bit. I like the idea of giving them credit and thinking highly of them mm. and, and, and then they come to the party. So instead of, you know, I, I know there are lots of things I could do that would get an instant laugh and, you know, cheap laughs and that kind of thing, things I could draw or whatever, but I, I try to <laughs> raise the bar a little bit higher and, and um, we still do entertaining, funny stuff, but we also delve into, you know, visual storytelling techniques and that kind of thing. Um, but it's it's good to see how the kids respond to the stories. If I was a little bit more savvy, I'd, I'd um, do that more before I got in the process of making the book um, to see what works and what doesn't. But it, it's I, I try not to let it influence my story writing too much because – Otherwise, it'd be like like a songwriter who decides that they just need to to write um, some big rock anthems or something to fill a stadium rather than the, the story they want to write. So it'd be very easy to to just try and build a career on writing sort of laugh out loud, read aloud books um, that kids scream and fall on the floor laughing when I read them to them at schools, but I, that, that wouldn't be honest for me. That's not the sort of, sort of story I like to write. It might feel good in the moment, but um, I can't let it influence my, my choices too much, I don't think. I just have to keep writing the stories I want to write. Yeah, and I think that's really, really valuable, that idea of writing for, for yourself first and foremost, but for an audience that you're giving respect to. And I think, you know, particularly those children book, children's books or picture books that as adult readers, we want to hide under the, under the bed and, and never have them come out again, uh, probably, I would say, are written in such a way that uh, it's not giving, uh, I guess, respect or, or thinking highly of the audience. It's, um, you know, treating them perhaps as, as dumb, you know. So, yeah, and yeah. I, I definitely don't see that in the work you do. And that's, you know, thank you for kind of diving into that a little further, because, you know, I think that's where real, real valuable storytelling comes from, memorable storytelling. You know, if you can have people think about things in ways that they haven't thought about it before, or to come to their own conclusions about things rather than just telling them like it is, it creates a more memorable story experience. Would you agree? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I, um, I mean, I, I have to point out too. I do love silly stories. I, some of my favourite books are silly stories, and and my kids love them. I can't stop them from <laughs> loving them, and we have a good time with them as well. 
um, just in, yeah, in terms of the stories I like to make, I, there's always been a part of me that hasn't wanted to make anything disposable. I, I, there's something that really is uncomfortable for me with the thought of writing a story that um, a certain age of kid will just love for it the moment they read it and then the next year they couldn't be bothered with it. And when they're an adult, they wouldn't want to look at it. And they just, you know, the, the book just gets shoved out of the family to a secondhand shop a couple of years later or something. Um, I, I always like the idea of whether it happens or not, but trying to write a story that um, will last, I guess. Um, I guess that's something that drives me. And that's what you just mentioned, um, the difference between, you know, disposable stories and, and memorable stories. Yeah. So I'm just, what, I guess one last question just to wrap us up, but, you know, looking at the bigger picture of storytelling and, and where it sits in our society, I mean, I guess, you know, we're all very aware of, of the role that storytelling plays as, as kids and as, you know, even as adults, you know, we engage with stories all throughout our lives in different ways, but potentially storytelling and the way of storytelling could be changing, you know, where there's so many more mediums and platforms. And I mean, some might say that the printed book is going out of fashion, but I'd interested to hear from you where, where you think the future of storytelling for children is, is it all going to go digital? Is it all going to be on an iPad or a screen or and what's 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 your prediction for the future? Yeah, I've got a feeling that boat might have passed us already, and 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 things are just settling back down to normal a little. But I I might be a little bit out of touch, to be honest. I live up in the hills and try <laughs> try to stay away from digital stuff as much as I can. But um, in terms of what I've noticed in the industry and the part of the industry that I work in, um, the physical book isn't going anywhere. And, and especially picture books, because I don't think um, we've quite worked out a way to replicate that on a, on a tablet. Um, I, I can understand how in other parts of the book industry that might be happening a little bit, um, just reading novels and things. But yeah, in terms of children's books, I, I don't think too much is changing. I think the biggest change is happening in the way people buy their, their books, um, which affects books, bookstores more than anything. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just, I think stories are so powerful, whether, whatever medium they're in. So you notice so many things now, like, um, television, for instance, is just had, had this massive revival of really high quality productions. And then that's what where all the writers and actors and producers are turning to now instead of film, they're all making these, um, top quality TV programs, whereas people would have said TV was going to die a few years ago. Um, but it's just the, the biggest difference, again, is the way in which people purchase that um, TV. Mm. Um, it's all subscription stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, s- stories, you know, they're, they're so powerful in every part of life. And I don't think, and I hope, <laughs> that um, children's books, physical books, will die away anytime soon. I think everybody, parents and kids, still really enjoy that experience of holding the book and sharing the book and that book bringing them together um, on, you know, emotionally and physically sitting on the couch um, each afternoon or each night. Yeah. Look, it's so powerful. I agree with you as a parent. Um, 
and you know as a as a person as well um i don't think books are going anywhere i particularly think in in children's and picture books there's something you know it, and it's not pretentious there's something magical in in the work that you do as a, as a children's book author so and so you know if there's more good authors um you know really pushing the craft and, and doing great stuff like like you are then i think we're, we're in for a good future of children's storytelling so i'll be a grandparent one day buying <laughs> picture books i hope <laughs> look um peter canavas thank you very much um it's it's been fun i've really enjoyed diving into this with you today but for anyone listening who, who wants to you know dive into you a bit further and learn a bit more about your books and and you as an author uh where's the best place for people to to follow you um, you can find out about me on my website, which is just petercanavis.com. And um, it, if you're interested in following news and little pictures that I put up and that kind of thing, I have a, a Facebook page, which is just Peter Canavis author slash illustrator. Awesome. So head on over there, guys, and, and check out Peter Canavis and, and buy some of his books, um, particularly for any, any children in, in your life. So again, Thanks, Pete. It's been it's been fun. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you for your time spent here on Engage with Story, and I look forward to uh, seeing new books coming out from you very soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Ben. All right. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Peter Canavis. And if you've got any little people in your life, I'd really recommend checking out some of Peter's books. The favourites in my family are Sarah's Heavy Heart, The Boy on the Page, and of course the children who loved books. And that's what I started this episode with today. My wife seems to actually say that that's a story about our household and our family. But before I leave you for today, I also just wanted to reach out and thank everyone who's taken the time to leave a review for the show over on iTunes. I seriously appreciate all the comments, guys. I want to share with you one today thanks to Adam. And Adam says in his review... Story lies at the heart of how we understand things. And this podcast opens up this discussion in a way that's helpful for anyone who's trying to say anything to anyone else. So marketers, communicators, managers, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and so many more, wrap your ear peepers around it. Thanks, Adam, for that review. Awesome stuff. Um, if you haven't left a review for me, I'd really appreciate it. It really gives me the buzz and, and keeps me going with Engage With Story. So take a moment to head on over to your iTunes store. Just search for Engage With Story and add your rating and review. You are awesome. Thank you very much. So a quote to end the show today, this time from JK Rowling. And she says, there's always room for a story that can transport people to another place. Love that. And I'll see you again next week.